welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing Indian equities. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Jayesh Gandhi, Head of India Equities. Welcome, Jayesh, and thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. If we think about the investor attitudes today, there's probably more concern about the outlook for developed market equities than emerging market equities, given that we are concerned about the potential for recession in the U.S., at least some sort of slowdown in Europe, uh, and this being driven fundamentally by inflation that is still quite high relative to central bank targets as you see in developed markets, and hence less worry about monetary policy tightening. Another positive point for emerging markets today is that we don't anticipate a stronger dollar like we had last year or rising interest rates. And if anything, we anticipate U.S. Treasury yields falling once the Fed finally does start cutting policy rates. Let's start with the performance of emerging market equities relative to developed market equities, though. Frankly, if we look at that performance over the last several years, EM equities have actually underperformed, though a lot of that has had to do with the performance of China and not necessarily the rest of emerging market equities uh, ex-China. Nonetheless, it raises a question of whether or not in a traditional basket approach to emerging markets is appropriate, or really should investors be thinking more about a country-specific approach? What do you think, Jayash? We think that the basket approach can no longer work, particularly after what we have seen in the last three years, the changing geopolitics, the trade war. Of course, also the conflict in Ukraine is adding to the energy crisis in the world. We do believe that over the next three to five years or probably longer, there will be certain emerging markets which will stand out in terms of growth, in terms of opportunities. Each emerging market will take the opportunities in the right way for their own individual growth. And that is what will drive equity market returns for each of the markets separately rather than being clubbed as a basket. So for investors' point of view, it will be very important to choose the right EM mix within their investment framework to get the returns that they're looking for. Talking about India in particular, we do believe that India has a substantial opportunity to do better than what it's done in the last 10 years in terms of equity market returns. Not one, but multiple tailwinds exist for Indian economy to grow significantly over the next three to five years. What we are talking about is the current economic size from $3.2 trillion going up to as high as $5 trillion in the next five years, which is 50 to 70 percent increase in this overall size of the economy. But this increase in the absolute size of the economy and the nominal GDP, which would grow at at a compounded rate of 10 to 12 percent, would have significant positive implications for corporate profit growth, which we think can grow at mid-teens. And that would deliver the returns in a similar size for the Indian equities. Now, even if you take away the 3 to 5% decline in the currency or the, or the hit because of the currency depreciation, in dollar terms, we are talking about high single-digit or low double-digit growth in terms of returns being delivered by Indian equities. Now, that is substantially higher than what we've done in the last 10 years. And this opportunity does exist for India, and I'm pretty certain it exists for a few other EM countries as well. And hence, it will be important for investors to choose and pick the right EM that they want to be invested in rather than looking at a basket. 
Can you talk a little bit more about how the Indian economy is positioned in the context of this potentially global recessionary environment, uh, but not only about what you see as the opportunities, but what are some of the key challenges for India's growth outlook in the next couple of years? In this global recessionary environment, Indian economy, we believe, will not see a recession, although there will be a significant growth slowdown. We do believe that the economic growth will slow down to five, five and a half percent or thereabouts from a seven and a half percent number that we saw last year, which is a 23 percent decline uh, in growth rate. However, this is largely driven by the high energy prices and the high energy costs. We believe that post-2024 growth could pick up in a significant manner, probably clocking back to 7% plus in real terms for the next few years. Energy is the key challenge because India continues to remain one of the largest importers of crude oil and natural gas in the world today. And as the size of the economy and output goes up, so will be the needs to import more. So that means we are talking about large part of the import bill being funded out of the domestic earnings and very little being left back to reinvest and growth. And that could have a substantial impact in terms of low growth for the Indian economy. So it is important for India to see that its energy needs are met by more substantial domestic energy availability, which would probably take some time. Hence, lower oil prices would be critical from medium point of view for the economic growth to sustain at a higher level. Of course, the other key headwind that the Indian economy could face would be a global stagflation environment where interest rates could remain high, growth much lower across the world, and India would also get impacted. So these are some of the key areas where growth could be substantially lower than what we expect over the next three to five years. But if things come back in terms of energy costs and inflation cools off, we have a pretty strong growth path. We've talked quite a bit about the macroeconomic outlook. Let's focus in a bit more on the Indian equity market because ultimately that's what we're investing in. Indian equities have done spectacularly well during the last year relative both to global equities and to EM equities. As I mentioned, some of that has to do with really the underperformance of China equities, but even relative to EMX China. Uh, India's done well. That's good news. The challenge today is valuations are at a pretty substantial premium. How sustainable do you see those valuations? These high valuations aren't sustainable. That's the reason why we thought that at the beginning of the year, India would underperform, which is what has happened in the first quarter where India has lagged most EMs. What that's done is brought the premium to a more reasonable level, which is still high, but it's a more reasonable level now than what existed at the beginning of the year. If you look at the last decade or so, Indian equities have sustained a premium over its EM peers to the extent of around 40 to 50 percent. That rose significantly in 2022, predominantly because India did not see a correction that the global equities and the other EMs saw. And that was predominantly driven by the confidence in the domestic economy, which the domestic investors have. And so domestic investors came in a big way and bought into Indian equities. We have seen substantial inflows coming in from domestic investors into mutual funds, particularly equity mutual funds. And that is what supported the equities in 2022 for India. We now see a path where probably 
India will continue to perform in line or better than EM over the short term. Over the medium term, of course, we think that uh, India goes back to outperforming as economic growth picks up and we see inflation stabilizing across the world and in India as well. What do you see as the key drivers behind the performance you anticipate? The key driver is the economic growth engine and the multiple factors that are driving this strong economic growth. We are around $3.2 trillion economy today with 1.4 billion people. The target by the government, which is quite achievable, is to take this to a $5 trillion by 2027 and $7 trillion plus by 2030. There are not one, but multiple factors and multiple tailwinds and multiple investments which are going into achieving this target. Changing global geopolitics and changing supply chains across the world, which allows India to gain market share. The climate change commitment that the Indian government has given, which leads to a massive investment into solar and renewable energy. The new industrial policy to piggy bank on the changing supply chain and the changing geopolitics, which promotes global manufacturing into India and positions India as one of the key global manufacturing base for multinationals, boosts Indian manufacturing output significantly over the next three to five years. Substantial amount of FDI has been already committed to investing in India in manufacturing. And of course, the large infrastructure push that the government has been putting in place, all these factors, along with a strong consumer base and a vibrant young population, makes us believe that Indian growth can be 7% plus in real terms or 10% plus in nominal GDP terms over the next three to five years. 2023 can be an aberration, but going forward, 24 onwards, over the next five years, we see very strong GDP growth. What we've seen in the last three decades or so is that there's a very strong correlation between strong nominal GDP growth, corporate profits, and equity market returns. One-to-one correlation. So a strong nominal GDP growth in India leads to a strong corporate profit growth and translated into strong earnings for corporate profits and, of course, leads to strong earnings and returns for equity investors. And we don't see any reason why this correlation should change in the next three to five years. So as the Indian economy goes from 3.2 trillion to 5 trillion, we will see corporate profits almost doubling from $120 billion to roughly around $250 billion by 2027. And that should translate into a much higher 50 to 70% increase in market capitalization for Indian equities. If I were to translate the increase in absolute GDP growth in a yearly compounded number, that would translate to a mid-double-digit number over the next three to five years. And that is the return that we expect the Indian equities to deliver. Even after taking off some rupee depreciation, which is around 3 to 5% every year, we are still talking about high single-digit dollar returns from Indian equities over the 3 to 5-year period, which can be substantial for a global investor. So we do believe that Indian economy is uniquely positioned and Indian equities are uniquely positioned to deliver substantially better returns as they have done in the last decade over the next 5 to 10 years as well. If I can summarize some of your key points, Jayesh, the first one you made was that you believe that a basket approach or just a broad EM approach for equities is not appropriate anymore. We need to look more specifically at countries and uh, India in that context looks quite attractive. Uh, We think about potential nominal GDP growth certainly seems high if we're worried about recessions in the U.S., potentially uh, least slower growth in Europe. 
and more importantly than that short-term cyclical outperformance of Indian GDP, over the long term, there's there are plenty of drivers for sustained growth. For example, you mentioned deglobalization leading to greater investment in India. All of that should lead, as it has historically, to strong corporate growth and strong corporate earnings. Excuse me, rephrase that. All of that should lead to strong corporate profit growth, and historically, that's also led to strong economic performance, as we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. So optimism on that front. If we think about some of the potential downsides or the risks, uh, you pointed out that India is an energy importer, so part of this will depend on how energy prices move uh, ahead, but we would anticipate with slower global growth, hopefully lower energy prices. And you also pointed out that even if the currency depreciates, you should have more than enough profit growth to offset that depreciation. And then the and then the final point, uh, you did acknowledge that particularly uh, last year, valuations had gotten quite high, uh, but they have come down to more reasonable levels. And ultimately, if earnings growth is strong, the valuation should improve. Well, Jayesh, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me and happy investing. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Jayesh Gandhi. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.